Well, hey, everybody. How are we doing this afternoon? Woo. Woo! Good, good, good. Happy end of fall break. We're in the middle of a series right now called Made for This. <clears throat> and it might be a little bit different kind of series than we're used to having because uh, in this particular series, we are exploring together as a church an entire book of the Bible. We are, we are studying or exploring the book of Colossians. And uh, the book of Colossians, it's found in the New Testament portion of your Bible. It's written by the Apostle Paul from a Roman prison somewhere between 60 and 62 AD. And he's writing to a church that was planted by his co-worker and friend, Epaphras, in the ancient city of Colossae. That is the book of the Bible that we are exploring. And uh, while I'm preaching from it on Sundays, you have a role to play in the series as well. You, uh, your job is to read the book along with me. If you haven't already, you should, have got, you should be getting one of these. This is a guided reading plan through the book of Colossians. And if you haven't been doing it or haven't gotten one of these, I'd love for you to jump in with us. I'm telling you, each day is like super short and bite-sized, and it's all laid out for you there. And uh, I don't know, I'm enjoying it. I hope you are as well. But while um, you and I are reading this during the week, and, and here on Sundays, we are talking about one of the themes of the book of Colossians, and that is this theme, the answer to one of the biggest questions that we all ask of our lives, why are we here? But I say, why are we here? Why? Yeah. What is my purpose in this world? What's my purpose for being on the planet? That right there is a question that we all know what it's like to wrestle with in one way or another. Like whether you're in your 20s and wondering what to do in life in general, or maybe you're in your 30s and 40s and you've kind of arrived where you thought you would in your 20s and you're like, well, now what? Is this it? Or maybe you're in retirement or you have an empty nest and it's a new season of life and you're like, what's next for us? Uh, or maybe you're just simply in a season of change or a season of life disruption and you find yourself asking in one way or another, hey, why? Am I here? Like, what am I supposed to be up to in this life? It's one of the most important questions you will ever answer about your life. And, and here's why. We saw this last Sunday. And if you didn't get to listen to last Sunday, please go and get caught up with the book of Colossians and where we are. But we saw this last Sunday. Um, that here's why this question is so important. That our, our why impacts our walk. And our walk is what makes our life worthy. That was actually Paul's opening prayer in Colossians chapter one. He says to the Colossians, he says, hey, God has a will for you. He has a, a why for putting you on the planet. And I want you to discover it. I want you to discover the answer to the question, why am I here? So that you will walk through your life. You will walk through life and live your life in a certain kind of way. The kind of way that we all hope to walk through life and that you will walk worthy to walk worthy. In other words, that you'll get to the end of this year, or to the end of this decade. You'll get to the end of this current season of, of work or of parenting or of marriage or of finances or of friendship or of your health. And for that matter, that you would get to the, one day to the end of your life and you would know in your heart and you would hear from God and those around you, you did well. You did well. You walked worthy. Worthy of you and all your potential. Worthy of those you love and those who needed you and worthy of the God who made you. Paul says, that's why I'm writing. It's one of the big reasons that I'm writing. I want you to know why you're here. And that's what we're doing in here on Sundays. We're learning from Colossians three answers to the question, why am I here? And my hope is that as a result of the series, that you will know what to do and where to go and who to be in your current stage of life more than ever before. And as a result, you and I, that we would walk worthy through whatever it is we're walking through right 
now. And last week we um, saw or discovered the, the perhaps surprising first answer to the question, why are we here? And, and it was this right here, that you were made by him and for him. That was the first subject matter that Paul explored. He said, here's why you're here. And it's this, that there is a God who put on a bod and he walked among us to show us what he was like and how he felt about us. And his name was Jesus. And you were made by him and you were made for him. And not only that, from reading Colossians 1 and 2, we also discovered that through his death and resurrection, we were paid for by him, that Jesus rescued us from sin and death, and he brought us back to the God who made us for himself. And that means, this means that our primary purpose in life is actually not a what, but a who. That God did not make us primarily for a what, something to do, but he made us primarily for a who. God, first and foremost, made us for himself, to know him and to be like him and to join him in the world. And so that was answer number one, that you and I were made for who is answer number one. And today, I want to move on to answer number two to the question, why are we here? And I got a confession. I think, especially if you watched week one, I think a lot of you are going to like this Sunday better than the last one, okay? Uh, I think you're going to like this one better because, you know, last week when we asked this question, why are we here? I mean, I basically responded by saying, Jesus, okay? You know, like you were made for a who? And I understand, I understand. Some of you might have found yourself going like, okay, (laughs) that's neat. This is great. Uh, But that's not really the answer that I was looking for. Because it's not the main question and tension point of my life right now. I mean, okay, you're saying I was made for Jesus. That's cool. I'll like read your Devo, bro, and and check it out. I'll give it a shot. But hey, more more than figuring out who I'm supposed to know, what I really want to figure out is this question right here. What am I supposed to do? That's the question I'm more interested in. I mean, more than you telling me who I was made for, I'm more interested in figuring out like what I was made for. You know what I'm saying? I'm more interested in figuring out like what does God want me to do in, you know, my life? Like what job should I get? What what career should I pursue? Uh, What skills should I, you know, be sharpening and developing in life? What title or what salary should I be shooting for in life? Or or, or maybe I'm wondering like, hey, what college should I go to? Or who should I marry? Or where should I live? What city, what neighborhood? Or or how many kids should I have? Should I go to public school or private school? Uh, Or or maybe it's, hey, what should I do in my free time? What hobbies I should have? Who should I be best friends with? What What kind of house? What kind of car? What kind of toys should I be buying? Or maybe it really is. Should I get a pumpkin spice latte? Or is it too early in the season? I just don't know, you know? But you're like, that's... That's what I'm more interested in, God. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And that's what we're talking about today. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how to figure out what to do in your life. Or to put it in Christian and Jesus follower terms, we're talking about how to figure out what God wants you to do in your life with the time of your life. And in order to do that, I want to start by talking about this right here. For many of us, I would say probably for most of us, this is our general idea of what God wants us to do in our lives. I call it our God bucket, and we kind of like, you know, carry it along with us in life. And, and, And just imagine with me, this contains everything that we know about God's will for our lives. And truth be told, 
it's kind of small, okay? I mean, I know preachers like to talk about like God's huge will for my life and, you know, give your whole life to God. But if we were to go around and actually like ask one another, and for sure, if we were to go out on the street and like ask the average person like, hey, what, hey, hey, listen, what do you think God wants you to do with your life? What do you think God wants from you? Well, most of our answers, and for sure most of their answers, would boil down to this right here. Go to church and don't sin. Yeah, 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 that's what God wants you to do. You, you go to church and you don't sin. And that's because for many of us who grew up in church, like, that's what we got. We got a ton of information, a lot of us growing up in church, about these things right here. Like, hey, you want to know what God wants you to do? Like, little boy, little girl, as you're growing up, you want to know what God wants you to do? He wants you to go to church, you know, show up, participate, go to Sunday school, go to a small group, give, you know. And if you, like, really love Jesus, go work at a church, you know, the three Jesus jobs, pastor, missionary, and worship leader, you know, go do one of those. So go to church, but then secondly, don't sin, you know, like, be a nice person. Don't do drugs. Uh, keep the big 10. Commandments, not conference. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, like, don't break the law. Like, go to, you know, just don't sin. Go to church, don't sin. That's what so many of us got growing up in church. But hey, if you're not a Christian or if you didn't grow in church, I bet for sure this is a majority of what you have picked up along the way of what it means that what God wants you to do in life. You're like, they just kind of, Christians just maybe sort of gave you that, like, hey, you want to know what God wants you to do? Well, you should probably just go to church and don't sin. Like, that's it. That's our God, bu- our God bucket. And it's, it's kind of small. It's a little, little cute little bucket. And it's a cute little bucket. But y'all, I think um, this explains a lot. I think this right here is why for many of us in the church and for many more in our community, God seems relevant to only a small percentage of our lives. Because, you know, people are going, hey, I may spend one day a week in church, but <laughs> I spend six days a week elsewhere. I spend six days a week at work or at home or at the gym or on the golf course or hanging out with my friends. And yeah, I mean, for sure, there are moments when I think about, you know, doing the right thing, like don't sin, but it's, you know, usually when I'm facing a really big decision or a really big temptation and like, that's it. So, I mean, if I'm being honest, much of the time, I don't think a ton about God because go to church and don't sin. You know what that is? That involves about 10 to 15% of my practical life. That's what that involves. And the other like 80 something percent, man, it feels pretty disconnected from God's will for me. And that's why, by the way, is why Christians in general, or maybe let me say Christians on average, notoriously have a hard time answering the question, hey, what am I supposed to do in life? What does God want me to do in life? I mean, you ask us questions about morality, we're on it. It's like, do, don't, do, don't, you know? You ask us questions about church, we're on it, you know? Man, if you want God to do on Monday, you better be in the pew on Sunday, amen? You know, we're on it right there. Like, you ask, <laughs> you ask us questions about the afterlife. We want it, like heaven, hell, like mm, hell's gonna be hot, Satan, you know? Like, we have quick answers to those questions because they're in the bucket, right? 
Go to church and, and don't sin, but you start asking questions like, hey, where should I work? Or hey, what career should I have? Or what should I do with my free time? Or who should I marry? Or who should, where should I go to college? Or like, what should I just like do with my life in general? Well, those answers are harder to find. And you're like, you're looking around, you're like, yeah, it's kind of small. And here's what I want to propose to you this afternoon. What if the reason that our God bucket is so small is that we are missing the most important part of his answer to the question, what am I supposed to do? What if we are missing a crucial piece of direction from God that could open up like the, 80, the other 85% of our lives to his involvement and his will? What if God's will is way, 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 way bigger than we think? And today I'd like to suggest to you that it is. Today, I'd like to invite you to reconsider or rediscover, maybe reinvent this in your personal life, in your brain, in your theology. And in a second, what I want to do is I want to read you the verse. I want to read you the verse that has taught me more about God's will than perhaps any other verse. I want to read you the verse that has shown me what to do in my life along the way more than any other verse. And it's Paul's answer to the question, what should we do? Found in Colossians chapter three. And if you're anything like me, if you're anything like me, and if your experience is anything like mine, what he says is going to help you figure out what God wants you to do at work and what he wants you to do in your family and in your finances and in your free time and in your hobbies and whatever else you're doing in your life more than ever before. In fact, I remember the day that I heard this verse for the first time, and I remember the preacher who told it to me because it forever changed my thinking and my understanding about God's will for my life. It forever blew up the size of my God bucket. And, and as a result, it, it has in fact forever changed the, the course of my life. So I wanna read it to you. And I'd love for you to open it up to Colossians chapter three. If you got a Bible rolling on your phone or a physical one, like just pop it open there. Um, and let's read it. So here it is. Here it is. Paul's answer to the question, what should we do? Straight from the mouth of the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What does God want you to do? Paul says, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Aren't you so glad you're here today? And this is so great, you know, like after all of this theological exposition across two chapters about like who you were made for and who Jesus is and how you were made by him and for him and your primary purpose is to know him. Paul like finally gets to the question we'd like him to answer to begin with. And he goes like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and about like what you should do with your life, whatever. Let me actually read you the whole verse. Here's what he says. He says this as he rounds out chapter three. He says, and here it is, the big statement. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him, whatever you do. If you've read this verse, chances are you skipped over this word right here, but I'm telling you, it is so, so, so important. It is so important. Hey, people in your 20s, 
People in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, those of you who are married, those of you who aren't, those of you with kids, those of you without kids, those of you that are in, in the workplace, those of you staying at home, those of you that are in retirement, anybody in the room, you wanna know what God's will is for your life? Do you wanna know what he puts you on the planet to do? He puts you here for whatever. That's a really big thing to realize. That What I want you to know from this verse, first of all, is that God's will for you is whatever. God's will is whatever. And it's whatever, not because he doesn't care. No, 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 no. You're gonna, gonna miss the point if you hear it like, whatever. No, no, no. I know I kind of said it that way the first time, but I was just messing around a little bit. But this whatever isn't like, whatever. Nah, this whatever is like, whatever. God's will for you is Whatever but it's not because he doesn't care. It's because he doesn't control. Let me say that again. God's will for you, what he wants you to do, it's whatever, but it's not because he doesn't care what you do. It's because he doesn't control. He didn't make you to be a robot. He made you to be a son or a daughter. Parents, you understand this. When your kids were really little, you told them every day of their lives what to wear and what to eat, didn't you? Wear this, eat that, wear this, eat that. But then they grew up and when they were in twenties, you didn't tell them what to wear and what to eat anymore. You know? And in fact, if your 28 years old son would like call you today and be like, mom, what should I eat? Or like, what should I wear? You'd be like, ah, I mean, I don't know, like whatever you want, you know? You don't do that anymore. And it's the same here with God. God made you uniquely and beautifully and full of potential. And he placed you in a world where that potential could be applied in a million different ways. And he gave you a brain that is intimidatingly capable of realizing your potential in the world. And this verse right here is God, your heavenly father, standing excitedly in front of you saying, my will for you is whatever. You're my child, not a robot. And I can't wait to walk with you as you discover and you develop and you decide and you evolve your whatever in the world. So let's go. Where do you want to start? This whatever that I'm talking about right here, it's not a flippant dismissal. It is like a flung open door. And this was the moment for me. This phrase right here, whatever you do, this was the moment for me where my little God bucket like went and exploded. This was the moment for me where God set me free from this tiny little version of what it means to live for him. This was the moment where God started bringing purpose to things in my life, all kinds of things in my life for which I previously didn't really have a purpose. Paul's saying, hey, you want to know what falls into the God's will bucket? You want to know what falls into the category of things God cares about and has a plan for? Whatever you do. And my friends, today, I'm hoping that with those same three words that maybe Paul is expanding your God bucket a little bit. I really genuinely do hope that some of you are sitting there going like, it kind of sounds like you're saying, my job is in that bucket. Yeah, yeah, I am. Like, it, it kind of sounds like you're saying, like, accounting is in here. Uh-huh. Or I hope one of you is going like, I mean, I may have heard you wrong, but it kind of sounds like landscaping and lawn maintenance, which is what I do every day, is like in this bucket. <laughs> yeah, it is. Kind of sounds like, you know, my podcast and my baseball card collection is in here somewhere. Yeah, it is. 
Or maybe one of you's like, no, no, hold on, let me try this one. I do esports. Like I play video games and make 13 year olds cry for a living, and it's not even that good of a living yet. And it kind of sounds like you're saying, that's in here. Yeah. Because it's whatever. It's whatever. See, that's the power of this verse. In three words, God like sort of sweeps aside the main question that we always ask. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do there? What do you want me to do? Who do you? And he says, what? whatever. And he sweeps that question aside because it's not what he cares about most. He cares, in fact, far more about something else. And that something else is in the rest of this verse. It turns out that there's only one limitation on your whatever. There's one thing that God wants you to do with your whatever. One way that God wants you to do and build and pursue and enjoy your whatever. And it's this right here. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's what God cares about most. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that's the the aha moment that I'm kind of hoping we all have in one way or another today. It's this, that we would realize this, that God's primary concern is not what you do, but how you do whatever you do. Let me say that again. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. But it says, I want this to be our aha moment today in some way for you that God's primary concern is not what you do, but how you do whatever you do. And his will for whatever you do is that you would do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. So for example, let me try to like make this practical. So for example, if you're asking God, God, what is your will for my career? Is it this one or is it that one? God's response is, whatever. But just go do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. And sure, that means there will be some careers you can't pursue. Like, sorry, bro, Ozark is not God's will for your life. You can't sell drugs in in Jesus' name, right? You know, that's an obvious one. But hey, when it comes down to like two or three careers that are acceptable and that are great and that are taking you somewhere, God's will for you is not choose this one over that one. He's like, no, you decide. His will for you is that whichever you decide, you go do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, every step, every decision, every day. Or hey, if you're asking God, like or your kids are asking God, one day they're gonna ask, where should I go to college? God, what's your will for my college? Should I go to this one, that one, or this one? And God's response is, I created you to figure that decision out. And I've surrounded you with people to help you. And I have planted inside you talents and desires and passions and things like, like churning inside you that are signposts to what you should be doing in the world. I'm giving you the freedom to choose that. But my will is that wherever you do go, that you go there and you study there and you make friends there and you grow up there and hey, you even party there in the name of the Lord Jesus. Or if you're asking God, who should I marry? This one or that one? Or where should I move? Here or there? God's going, whoever you marry and wherever you move, marry them and start building a marriage and move there and start building a life in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's my will for you. And that may very well eliminate some options. 
But among those that are left, God says, my will for you is whatever. Just go do it in my name. And we could keep going. And we could apply this to that whole other 85% of your life. Figure out God's will for you. And listen, I'm not saying that God never gets specific, you know, that he never says like, go here, do this, make this decision. No, he sometimes does that. But hasn't this been your experience? It's the exception, not the rule. And this is why. Because God's primary concern, his primary concern is not what you do, but how you do whatever you do. And that means that God's will for you is whatever. But not only that, it means this, that perhaps surprisingly or perhaps in spite of how you were raised or what you grew up thinking, it means that your whatever matters. Your whatever matters. And yeah, I'm talking about even the one that you have right now that you don't really like, that you don't really want, and that you can't wait to change, get out of, or upgrade the moment you get a chance. Your whatever matters. Like God sees purpose in it. He sees glory in it. He sees beauty in it. He sees purpose in it and potential in it. Why? Because he intends for, look at this, because he intends for it to be connected to the name and the cause and the kingdom and the glory of the Lord Jesus. I mean, are you kidding? Matters. So, my friends, what, let's hear whatever. What is your Whatever. And chances are, if you're anything like me or the average person walking around, up until this point, you maybe didn't think that it was in this bucket. But the Apostle Paul wanted the Colossians to know, and he wants to make sure that you know that it is. That God's will is a lot bigger than you think. You're whatever. This life that you're building, the things that you're doing, and you're going the other six days that you're not here, it's a big deal to God. It's a big deal to God. And it's whatever, not because he doesn't care, but because he doesn't control. And he loves walking with you as you discover and decide and grow out and change and evolve your whatever in the world. And he, man, he loves it. But his ask, his will for you is that in whatever you do, that you would do it all and pursue it all and build it all and order it all and enjoy it all in the name of the Lord Jesus his will for you. Which of course <laughs> begs the question, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> if you're anything like me, you, like when I first read this, you might be sitting there going, or heard this actually in a sermon, you might be sitting there going, okay, that sounds great, but like, what does that mean? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus? I mean, you're talking about like, I need to point to heaven at the end of every sales call, you know, like, Jesus, you know, is that what you're talking about? Do I need to like T-bow when I turn in my TPS reports at work? Is that what you're talking about? Are we about to get weird and start handing out like gospel tracks along with product samples, you know, during the day? That's where my mind goes. Um, but no, nah, that's not what it means. Um, what it actually means, clues to what it really means are actually found in, in Colossians 3 and the rest of the chapter. And I want to look at those right now because I'm telling you it's better than you might think it is. And by the way, if you're not a Christian and you're sitting there going, wah, wah, pick the wrong Sunday to come to this church, you know, because 
Nice try, dude, but I don't care about the name of the Lord Jesus. No offense. And I get it, man, but I'm, I'm telling, listen, listen, hang with me for a second, because what I'm about to say, this is for you. Because once we flesh out what this means, I promise you it's gonna be something practical that legit will start adding purpose and meaning and joy into your whatever, whether you follow Jesus or not, whether you believe in him or not. So hang with me as we flesh out. What does it mean to do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus? And it's actually found in the rest of Colossians chapter three. And and so here's three things. And here it is. Number one, if you wanna do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, number one is this, be great. Doing whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus means being great at what you do. And by the way, I don't mean that in comparison to somebody else. I simply mean being the best that you can be at whatever you do. The Apostle Paul would write it in in Colossians chapter three this way. He said, um, whatever you do, same kind of verse, but he changes the wording this time. He says, whatever you do, work at it. And here it is, with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for man. As if you were working for the Lord and not just for man. Did you know? Did you know that doing whatever you do to the best of your ability and getting better and better and better at it is actually glorifying to God? Actually makes him proud? Is actually part of why he created you? Did you know that? When God made Adam the first man, Genesis tells us that one of the first things he gave Adam, does anybody know what he gave Adam? A job. Albeit a really cool one. But nevertheless, he gave him a job to tend the animals, I mean, tend the garden, to name the animals, and to start building out creation, building out civilization across the globe. It was Adam's way of joining God in creation, and it was a huge part of why he made Adam and Eve, and it's a huge part of why he made you. You know, we as Christians, sometimes we like to connect what we, everything that we do back to the church to try to prove that it's like useful to God. Like, I'm an accountant. I mean, but, but I mean, I invite people at my firm to church, which by the way, that's awesome. And if you're doing that, please keep doing that. That's awesome. It's part of our, you know, our mission, but it's not as if all that other stuff you do is useless to God. I mean, are you kidding? God delights in your accounting. God is glorified by how hard you work and how you get it right and do it excellently, not just for your boss and for your clients, but for him. Like he sees that and it's a huge deal to him. Never, 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 never forget that there is worship in your work. There is glory in your grit. There's exaltation in your excellence. And whether you work for like Price, Waterhouse, Cooper, is that what it's called? Or the Chick-fil-A drive-thru line or whether you're a stay-at-home parent, God sees your work and he loves it. And doing it well, doing it with all your heart, that's a huge part of what it means to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. It means that you, you, you go be great. Go be great. Go be the best that you can be because your audience is your heavenly father. Well, that's number one. He goes on and says, well, number two, if you want to do whatever you do in the name of the Lord, well, then secondly, go, yep, be good. Doing whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus doesn't just mean being great at what you do. It means being good along the way. It means being good along the way. We all know the difference between a boss or a coworker or even a friend who is great at what they do and one who's not only great at what they do, but they're actually good to the people around them. That's a big difference. And Paul, Paul says it this way in, in Colossians chapter 
chapter 3. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, look at this, clothe yourself. Like, go put this on in the morning. Clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, with patience. He keeps going. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, and over all these virtues, put on love where you live, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's what God wants you to do. Like as you go and do whatever you do, don't just be great at it. Be good. Like be a good person, you know, be like Jesus. Walk in the new life and the new identity that you have in him. That's a huge part of what it means to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. It means that you leave goodness in your wake, compassion in your wake, kindness and gentleness and humility in your wake, forgiveness in your wake, love in your wake that everyone around you, whether they're beneath you or above you or beside you, experiences. And by the way, you know why it equates to doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus? Because if Jesus were in your shoes, it's exactly what he would do. It's exactly how he would treat them. So you're representing him. You're actually better than that. You're reproducing his presence. And when you do that, people tend to start asking, what's that about? Where's that come from? And they tend to start wondering if it has anything to do with this Jesus that you claim to follow. That's what Jesus himself said. He said, when you let your light so shine before men, they see your good deeds. They start glorifying your father in heaven. If you want to do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, don't just be great at it, be good. Don't just be great, be good. But then it means one more thing. You're going to do what you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be grateful. Be grateful. That's actually what he says in the rest of the verse. And whatever you do, there's our word. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And here it is, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you want to do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, you got to do it with gratitude. And not, not just inward gratitude, but also outward gratitude, both inward and outward gratitude. It means having that inward gratitude that compels you to thank God for whatever you have, no matter your circumstances and no matter your position. Like you never forget who gave you what you have and who got you where you are. You know, that inward gratitude saying, God, thank you. But importantly, it also involves that outward gratitude. That when you have a moment of recognition, when you have a moment in the spotlight, when you have a moment where somebody says, congrats, man, you made it. Congrats, girl, you're killing it. Congrats, tell us how you did it. That you take that opportunity to connect the dots for anybody who's listening between your great work and your good character and the Savior who made it all possible. If you want to do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus, be grateful inwardly and outwardly. And that's it. That's what it means to do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. It means to be great, be good, and be grateful. That's God's will for you. That's what God wants you to do with your life. And it's answer number two to the question, why am I here? Answer number one was who? You're here for a who, primarily. God created you first and foremost for himself. But this is answer number two. That why are we here? Answer number two is how. So number one was who? Answer number two is how. God's primary concern is not what you do, but how 
how you do whatever you do. And you were put on the planet to discover and develop your whatever in the world and to spend your days being great at it and good in it and grateful along the way. That's God's will for your life. And this is what changed my life. This is what like just totally exploded my God bucket. Totally changed my understanding of like what God wanted from me. And here's what I love about it. What I love about it is you can, this is a grid that you can literally apply to any area of your life to figure out what God wants you to do. You are never gonna be left without the will of God in your life. Isn't that awesome? And I'm telling you though, on top of that, it works. Like it works from personal experience. I can tell you it works. I'm telling you, whether you're a Christian or not, I dare you. I dare you. Go try these three things. Go make these three things. Be great, be good, and be grateful. Your standard. And see, see if, see if they do not bring fresh purpose and meaning and drive to your whatever. See if they do not set you up to have a better whatever 10 years from now than you would have had otherwise. And see, by the way, if they don't help ensure that you actually enjoy your whatever as much as humanly possible along the way. That's what I've found. And that's what I'm inviting you to consider. No matter who you are, that you would think, how could I and how do I want to or what adjustments do I need to make to do whatever I do in the name of the Lord Jesus? And I don't know where this specifically intersects your life, but... Chances are you fall today into one of three categories, and I want to speak to those for just a second. There's, there's some of you that you would say you fall into this category, that right now you're like going, I love my whatever. I know what it is, and I love my whatever, and I love that you love your whatever. And here's my challenge to you who are in this category. I just want to challenge you to keep going. Keep going in your whatever. Keep running full steam into your whatever, but just bring into it, starting even this week, a fresh focus and a fresh passion for the purpose of God in your life. In fact, that's what I'd like to invite you to do. I'd love to invite you to pick one of these, good, great, or grateful, and focus on it. Maybe you need to talk about it with your spouse, your small group, or a friend, but I'd love for you to pick one of these and spend the next week focusing on and elevating it in your life. Like some of us need to choose great and start upping our game and sharpening our skills, maybe like we haven't done in a while. Some of us maybe need to choose good and start paying attention to how we carry ourselves and treat others around us and maybe start dialing up the love where you live. You know what I'm saying? Maybe others just need to choose grateful and start like cultivating that posture and that vocabulary of gratitude in our prayers to God and our conversations with those around us. But pick one. And go focus on it. Go do whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus a little more than you did before. Others of you, though, would say that you're in this category, that I don't love my whatever. Like, Jamie, the main thing that I spend doing my time is not cool. It's not fun. It's not what I want to do. Or maybe it's not even healthier. Maybe it's toxic. Or maybe it's stressful. Maybe it doesn't pay well at all. And you're like, I'm not planning on staying here forever. In fact, I'm not planning on staying here long. And if that's you, that's okay. I mean, right? Not every season of life is going to give us, you know, a life-giving, pulse-pounding, earth-shattering ideal, whatever. Sometimes you got to work at Quick Trip in order to pay for grad school, right? Sometimes you got to start at the bottom to get to where you want to go. But listen, this verse is still for you. This verse is still for you. Why? Because God has a will for your whatever. 
He's got a will for your whatever, not just the one you want then. He's got a will for the one you're in right now. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Hold on. Let's get back here. I want to challenge you. Don't bail. Don't bail. Don't bail on what God's up to in your life. You go be great. Go be, go be great. Go be good. Go be grateful. Because come on, think about it. What better way to position and prepare yourself for the whatever that you want in the future than to be good, great, and grateful in the whatever you're walking in right now? That's some of the most glorifying work you'll ever do for God. The, the good, great, and grateful work you do from a whatever you don't even like and you don't even want. So my question and challenge to you is the same thing. Go pick one of these. Which one of these do you need to pick and elevate in your life like never before? And then finally, I know some of you would be in this category right here of saying, I don't know my whatever. I don't, I don't even know my whatever. Like maybe in your 20s trying to figure out life after college. Maybe you're in a time of transition because you changed or you lost your job. Or I don't know, maybe you're just kind of feeling stuck in life and you feel a little aimless and you're going, I wish I had something to go be great, good and grateful in, but I don't. And here's my challenge for you today. I want to challenge you. Um, oops, sorry, we're having some little technical difficulties here. I want to challenge you to go find it. Go find it. Is that up there? Good. And I know that's hard, but I just want to be a person that sets a fresh fire under you to go find a what I whatever that either brings you alive or sets you on a pathway towards something that is going to bring you alive. And in order to do that, I mean, I can't tell you which job or which pathway. I can't give you connections. I certainly can't give you a job offer, right? Um, but what I can do is offer you some really, really great questions to ask. Questions that I first heard from actually Pastor Louis Giglio when I was in college that incredibly, it was incredibly helpful in me figuring out what my whatever was gonna be because I had no clue. And he suggested that I start asking consistently these questions right here. What keeps you up at night? Like what breaks your heart and bothers you in the world? What wakes you up in the morning? What fuels your passion? and gets you excited. You're like, oh, I'd love to be a part of that. What are you best at? Like, what are you actually good at in the world? What do others affirm in you? What are you, and what are you willing to sacrifice for? Like, what do you feel like is worth your life? We're gonna post these questions later, but you need to start asking them, not just of yourself, but for those, uh, of those that know and love you. Because what they're gonna do is give you a clue and give you insight into how God made you. And how God made you tells you where you should be looking and what you should be trying as you figure out your whatever. And so I want you to do that. Go ask these questions and go find it. So that's the point of the day. Whether you love it, you don't love it, or you don't even know what it is, this is our chance. This is our chance to do whatever we do in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's what we were made for. It's answer number two to why we're here. And that's a really big deal because your why impacts your walk and your walk is what makes your life worthy. So go walk in God's purpose for your life. Go walk in God's purpose for your life in whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Go be great. Go be good. Go be grateful. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just explode our God bucket today and let us see that our whatever is squarely in the sights of something you have a plan for. And I pray that you would just unleash in us this, this urgency and this desire and this inspiration to go be great, be good, and be grateful. And that as a result, we'll walk more in the purpose of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.